السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته دكتور السلام دكتور تون مهاتير thank you so much for gracing us with your presence today it is an honor for us and all our staff viewers if I may ask um, after leading the country for maybe the last uh, the longest le uh, leading figure in Malaysian politics and the longest serving prime minister um, you've seen Malaysia in in a state and you see it now in another state how would you see um, how you assess the legacy you left for Malaysia and how you see the future of Malaysia when when I decided to step down uh, the country was in a good shape uh, the economy was all right finance wise also uh, Malaysia was uh, not uh, owing too much money from anybody and uh, Politically, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, there was political stability. Uh, we sort of know exactly what is going to follow after a step down. In terms of, you touched upon uh, the economy. What's the, um, the main uh, founding um, like, uh, steps you did to get Malaysia out of a a agricultural based economy to more sophisticated technology and, and, and manufacturing economy. We were an agro based country, but agriculture does not offer many jobs for the people. And the population was growing. We need to find jobs for them. And we uh, realized that uh, only in uh, industry, in manufacturing, would there be a lot of job opportunities? So we decided to industrialize. Unfortunately, we were not familiar with uh, the process of industrialization. We had no know-how, we had no capital, and no expertise in the uh, marketing of such products, etc. So with that, uh, we decided that we will allow foreigners to come and invest in Malaysia. Uh, this was very early on, before it became common to have uh, uh, direct foreign investment. Uh, most newly independent countries do not want to see uh, foreigners, especially uh, uh, their former colonizers, to come back. But we decided that uh, uh, we need them, and we were quite confident that we could look after our country. Yeah. How Malaysia, without going into major wars, without entering into big conflicts uh, that will set it back like years and years, decades and decades, as happened in the Middle East and so other countries, what was the the initiatives you took that convinced the other side as well of, of the dispute? Well, there was actually before my time, the early leaders of the newly independent countries of Southeast Asia had problems of overlapping claims. But uh, there was um, a confrontation initiated by President Sukarno of uh, Indonesia also, there was a uh, claim made by the Philippines over certain areas of uh, Malaysia. Uh, we, 
there was a mild confrontation with a little bit of military action. But very quickly we realized that it's not going to do any good for, for us, nor would it uh, solve our problem. Uh, the leaders at that time decided that the better way would be to come together, sit around a table and discuss this matter. And so the uh, initial, um, initial setting up of the ASEAN group uh, was started at about that time, consisting firstly of five uh, of the ASEAN countries. The leaders uh, decided that they should have an ASEAN grouping and that they should meet regularly, at least once a year, and discuss uh, uh, common issues. And uh, that uh, was uh, that way we were able to resolve the overlapping claim um, uh, problem. Uh, we realized that um, going to war is not going to help any, so we might as well accept that uh, the uh, claims uh, based on the merit should be given to the country uh, best uh, qualified. Because now that, that doctrine of meeting up, the leaders of the countries meeting up and discussing, uh, Malaysia is in crossroads between big powers. You have one big sister next to you, Indonesia, and then you have India, then you have China with the claims over claims uh, of China uh, today in Southeast Asia and Southeast um, South China Sea. And then you have the, the uh, five eyes set up by America, uh, which looks like Australia, America, Canada, they are trying to undermine uh, China. Are you uh, not worried that that may turn into like a hot real war? war? Yes, uh, we are worried, but on the other hand, uh, we believe in uh, being friends with all countries in the world. We are not taking sides. We are not supporting the West or China or any other country. We felt that uh, uh, we should uh, promote the idea of uh, a peaceful solution to uh, whatever claims they have. Unfortunately, uh, uh, the American uh, approach always is to send in warships into South China Sea. When they do that, of course, the Chinese would uh, retaliate or would uh, send in their warships. And what we were afraid of was that there might be an accident involving these two countries and may, that may grow into a real um, uh, confrontation and even uh, war. But so far, uh, although the Chinese have claimed the South China Sea as belonging to China, and we have islands in the South China Sea which we claim to be ours, uh, they have not uh, really disturbed us. They have not asked us to leave the islands. But at the same time, uh, ships passing through the South China Sea were not stopped or examined. They were allowed to pass through. So that uh, has resulted in quite a peaceful uh, situation, although there was tension. 
the tension is due to uh, warships being brought into the area. Um, we know, um, Dr. Matir, the modern uh, boundaries between nation states uh, were not decided by the people living in each state. Well, Middle East is, is designed by Sykes-Picot Accords and other places. And even Europe itself is decided by war. Uh, so as, as a result of war, the international boundaries are drawn. This left uh, many ethnic uh, groups living outside their mainland. Uh, if we see Malaysia, I think you have you have the uh, South Thailand and um, Mindanao, and so there are ethnic Malay who live there, but they found themselves uh, maybe outside. Mm. Um, how do you see? And this is brings us to the issue of minority minorities around the world, and especially Muslim minorities who are so many around the world. What's the best approach? What's the best way forward to them? Well, we decided very early on that um, we should not have uh, uh, claims uh, that can only be settled by war. What we did was that we decided that areas uh, colonized by the Dutch uh, would be Indonesia, areas uh, colonized by the British would be Malaysia and the states in North Borneo. And uh, the French were far away. And uh, Thailand was not colonized at all. And it acted as a buffer between the French and the British and, uh, and the Dutch. So uh, we accepted the situation as was. Although uh, we found that certain parts of uh, Malaya uh, was uh, already ceded to Thailand. We did not want to claim it because uh, obviously Thailand is not going to give up and any claims uh, may result in, in wars even. We, avoid, we avoided wars. In our Muslim Umar, after, after the, the four Khalifs, we didn't really develop any political thought. Uh, being one uh, of the most uh, leading Muslim figures and the most respected by Muslims, especially the youth who are coming up now, this question is burning. What, what as Muslims, did Islam offer us something in political thought in organizing the state, the relationship between state and, and the people? Um, after your learned, um, like um, um, informed opinion plus your experience. What is your Mahathir's political thought, if, we, if, we, if I may say? We accept that there are certain things we could do, there are certain things we couldn't do. We have to accept that. And when the Malay states were all monarchies, absolute monarchs, uh, but uh, they, under the British pressure, they surrendered their states to the British. Now, the people, of course, were not happy. The people demanded that those uh, agreements ceding the Malay states to the British should be annulled. And they demonstrated against the British. And uh, in the end, of course, the British uh, decided not to go ahead with their acquisition of the Malay states, but to allow the Malay states to exist 
in another form, in the form of a federation. But uh, the people were generous enough to accept the rulers, although they gave up their, their states to the British, uh, they were persuaded to rescind, to uh, annul the agreements they made and to join their own people in seeking for a new form of government, a federation of the Malay states. There were nine Malay states altogether, and we decided that we should uh, come together and form a federation. Uh, of course, this meant that certain states were left out. Uh, those occupied by Thailand, for example, remained with Thailand. And those uh, that were considered uh, in parts of Indonesia because they were colonized by the Dutch, uh, we did not dispute that. We just want to have a proper settlement for the peninsula only. And the peninsula had nine states. Uh, we decided on a federation of Malay states. That's one side, is it? A federation. So in terms of political thought, how you see as Muslims, worldwide, we are so troubled. What kind of political system we should adopt? Well, uh, if you ask for a system of government, perhaps uh, the democratic system is the best. But the democratic system is not an easy system to install and to work. So people must accept that in a democratic system, uh, you have to accept uh, losing as well as winning. Uh, the way to decide most things would be through the ballot, voting. And in a vote, obviously somebody must uh, win and somebody must lose. But the losers must accept that they have lost. Now, if the system of democracy provides for periodical election, then if you lose, you wait for the next election. What is happening, of course, is that those who lost in election invariably accuse the winners, the winners of cheating. And there would be attempts made to bring down the, the winners. So the winners could not govern the country. Even if the, the losers were to be the government, the same thing would happen that the, the losers would still try to bring down the government. Uh, the problem that we see is that um, we are not willing to lose. We have to lose in an election. We have Somebody must lose. And the losers must be patient and watch for the next uh, term and when there will be another election and try again. But if the losers invariably uh, try to bring down the winners who had formed the government, then there would be instability and democracy will not work. Malaysia is a founding member of the OIC and uh, is a, a quite active member in different branches, whether that IDB or other institution that belong to the OIC. Are you satisfied with the result of OIC? Well, uh, in the OIC, every country claims the right to reject 
anything that is not uh, in their favour. So you need to have everybody agree. 57. And that is not possible. We all have different opinions. We have to go according to the ballot. Uh, for perhaps uh, uh, voting for the winner. But in the OIC, it's not about majority rule. It's about the consensus. And consensus is not easy uh, to arrive at because uh, obviously some countries will have differences with the, uh, the general uh, trend. And because of that, the OSC has not been able to make decisions because it requires consensus. Everybody must agree. And because of that, uh, you become ineffective. But if you go according to ballots, according to the majority, uh, I'm quite sure that uh, there are lots of things that the OSC can perform. You, I attended your um, summit in, in uh, KL in 2019. Yeah. Um, how far did that initiative go? Well, uh, we feel that each Malay, each Muslim country should have good governance. And to have good governance, there are certain things we have to accept. One of the things, of course, is that if you are, you want to be democratic, you must accept the decision uh, due to the election. Uh, if the election uh, gives a party a majority, you have to accept it and let that party form the government. Uh, we worked in Malaysia and we were able to, to do that. Uh, the government party, although the government party won almost all the election, but there were opposition. And the opposition have their say in parliament. They were also elected, except that, accepting that their number is less. Uh, and because of that, they accept being the opposition and they wait for the next election and try again. Now, everybody talks about uh, the war on Ukraine, Russia, Ukraine, whether it's war in Ukraine or on Ukraine, whether it is between Russia and, and NATO or between Russia and uh, Ukraine, and also the, um, the effects of it when it comes to food, transport, insurance, uh, oil, all of that, international relations and so on. Um, are we in danger of a, a third world war? Well, we may be dragged in uh, if this thing expands, because uh, I am quite sure Russia is not going to accept defeat. I'm quite sure that NATO will also not uh, accept defeat. So the only thing that will happen will be escalation. Everyone trying to beat the other, every, the, the two parties trying to beat each other and to rally other, other countries to join them. This is what happened during the uh, last uh, two great wars. Uh, the First and Second World War. Uh, the, the, the parties involved in the war tries to gather as many supporters or as many countries as possible. And then that became a world war. The world became divided into two groups, one uh, uh, supporting 
the, this side and the other supporting the other side, and there were there was confrontation and there was war and fighting. Uh, I worry that uh, in in the attempt to defeat Russia, uh, they would escalate. Uh, already, they are providing more arms. Uh, they may uh, maybe vol volunteers going across to help Ukraine. And if that is not effective, uh, the Russians are still uh, strong enough to resist and to expand, they will have to escalate. They will have to have more powerful participation, maybe even sending soldiers in. And that becomes a war, a, a war between the Eastern Bloc, um, Russia, and the NATO group. And NATO, as you know, involves even America. So there will be an all-out war. It is very difficult once you start a war to stop the war. It's very difficult. Unless you are willing to accept that, okay, you have made this claim, we, we are willing to hand over <laughs> that, that portion to the, to the other side. But I'm quite sure Ukraine is not going to give up any of their land to Russia. And Russia is not going to stop until they get, uh, re they get uh, success, uh, successfully acquired the land. So war tends to escalate. And once uh, today, war is so terrible because we are using terrible weapons that can kill not just soldiers, but everybody. And the battlefield is no longer a, a, a certain place, like Waterloo or, or things like that. The whole country becomes a battlefield. And everybody uh, will be subjected to attacks, uh, and uh, even babies and children and all that would be killed in a modern war. So I thought that once they have seen the destruction caused by the atom bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, they would avoid going to war. Because uh, the effect of uh, using nuclear weapon is to spread the damage, not only uh, with the enemy, but also the, 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 the parties that uh, use the bomb will also suffer. So there is a possibility of using nuclear, nuclear arsenal? Well, the Russian foreign minister has mentioned that they may have to use nuclear weapons. And do you think China will join in? I don't think China wants to join, but uh, it may be dragged in. But, uh, you know, there may be incidents, uh, there may be attempts to block China and provoke China, then I suppose China will, will uh, join the war. Dr. Mahathir Tun Muhammad, uh, thank you so much for coming. You're welcome. Thank you.